the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along for the Thursday edition. Kath, good to see you. All bundled up there in your... Uh your, what, what is it? This is my... Uh, it's a wrap. It's a cape kind of a thing I cape. keep in my office just for, for cold moments. Right. I thought we were in spring. We are. we are. We are in the early days of spring. Okay. Well, I'll be honest with you. It's cold. It is cold. A little chilly. You, you, know, you know it is spring because in those little pockets around Pittsburgh, you see the forsythia. Lovely yes. as it is. I have a pocket. Uh, I have a lot of forsythia in my yard. Are you, Do you, though? You should come over and, you know, avail um, yourself. When I drive home on the parkway, there's a little patch around one bend inbound that I love. Because to me, it's always like, when I see that, I go, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, that's what I think every time I see the commercial for the Masters. Oh, is, when is that? Uh, well, I don't know, but usually it's like second or third week in April. Okay. so, so but, I, I, but I can't tell exactly what the date is this year, but I saw my first ad. It was during March Madness over the weekend. Of course, Jim Nance is the face of March Madness Surely. and the face of the Masters. Good gig. Because he can do anything. He can. The, the Masters starts April 11th. 11th. Thank you, Mike. And today is the 4th. That means it's a week from today. Very nice. Excellent. It's Thursday. The, it's my favorite Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday event of the year. You know, you talk about things that I've turned you on to. I yep. used to roundly mock watching golf on television. I know. I do love it. Isn't it? It's the it's best. Wonderful. It's, it's a really good way to spend a day or a it, weekend. It really is. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing: it's very exciting. But if you're not off sometimes in an unexciting moment, catch you're having up. a very nice sleep. Yeah, you catch okay? up. Okay, I think it meets multiple. But I love like the multi, needs the life. cameras like boom here, here he is on hole twelve and then they just you know cr- it's one it's up a and wonderful telecast and it's so beautiful it's so 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 beautiful mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. anyway I'm Fair very much. happy I can't wait for it. Remember when you were a kid hanging out with your dad or your mom and you run into some adults that uh, you haven't seen for a while, have a little conversation while you're standing there yep. and knowing that this dreaded question is going to come your way. Did you feel this way? The dreaded question is from, you know, whether an acquaintance, neighbor, family, friend, what do you want to be when you grow up? I love that question. Well, I mean, even when you were little and you didn't, I mean, nobody knows, but you say something. I love that question. You always had to. But as a kid, at least for me, I always felt like I had to have something, you know, in the chamber. Oh, really? Something ready to go. Okay. You know, it wasn't like a random kind of thing. You you were expected to give it some thought and and have a little something. You're probably right. I had already decided so early on, though, that I wanted to be Patty Burns, that it was just easy. Oh, that was your standard go-to. It Always. It wasn't just my go-to. It was just that's what it was. What, you never changed the answer? I changed the answer all the time. No, no, what? no. I just wanted to be Patty Burns. Really? I was straight ahead about it. Always? From yeah. like what age to what age? I mean, five. What? Five? You were already thinking about Patty Burns? Yeah. 
Patty and Daddy. Not, I no, mean, I wasn't Patty. thinking about Bill. It was it, she was on with Ray Tannehill really? at that point huh. for the six o'clock news. Interesting. I just wanted to be Patty. Patty Burns. And then by the time Patty was off, no one was asking me anymore, so it didn't matter. It's not like people go around asking like eighteen-year-olds, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Well, we should. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, apparently, there's a, an essay in yesterday's New York Times by a man, Adam Grant. He said that um, that uh, we should ask, we should stop asking kids about this. Why should? Uh, he said, uh, when I was a kid, I dreaded the question. I never had a good answer. Adults always seemed terribly disappointed that I wasn't dreaming of becoming something grand or heroic, like a filmmaker or an astronaut. I wanted to do many things, so I, I had a little workaround. Uh, he said, my first beef with the question is that it forces kids, this is the big one, it forces kids to define themselves in terms of work. Come when you're asked oh, what you I... want to be when you grow up, it's not socially acceptable to say a father or a mother, let alone a person of integrity. This might be one of the reasons many parents say that their most important value for their children is to care about others. Yet kids believe that top value is success. When we define ourselves by our jobs, our worth depends upon what we achieve, not what is in our hearts. I feel like that is digging a little deep. Into well, the one question. Right. Well, I first saw this because, well, of course, we, we read the Times, but uh, but I first saw it because someone tweeted this article. The headline is, Stop Asking Kids What They Want to Be When They Grow Up, because the person who tweeted the article said, pretty soon, all small talk or most small talk will be illegal. Correct. <laughs> right. <laughs> And if it's not illegal, we're just not going to have it because we're going to be terrified we're going to say the wrong right. thing. Have you had that happen to me? Uh, happen to me? <laughs> have you had that happen to yourself? What? Afraid to say the wrong thing? Day- Small talk. Daily from four to six. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. No, no, you're not really terrified. I, mean, I am. We're well, a seven-second delay, which we've never used. Well, I, I used it that one time. One time. Uh, I am concerned about that all the time. I am consistently, as a rule, concerned I'm going to say the wrong thing. Even in casual yes. conversation? Yes. It has become the what? thing really? that is lurking in my mind all the I'm time. I'm shocked by that. You've, uh, yeah. Maybe you, I've never confessed it to you, but now I think it's an appropriate time. It's an albatross? I'm feeling vulnerable. Yeah. You're afraid you're going to say the wrong thing. So, Always. Well, then by doing that, then you put a choke on your yeah. emotions That's, and thoughts. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah, so there's an extra step that all of my th- thoughts have to go through. An extra filter. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's really interesting. And that has been placed on me by myself because I've allowed myself to have that. You know, it's, yeah, I, yeah. I have said yes to that. Well, maybe, but it's... it is something that our culture has extracted. Well, our culture has decided on, mm-hmm. and they've placed the mandate. But I said yes, so it's my fault. I'm not trying to blame anybody else. But I'm constantly thinking that I'm going to offend someone i'm going to say the wrong thing i'm going to so then is it a would you describe it as a politically correct yes. wisdom filter yes politically correct wisdom and filter. part of the time i think it's good because i think we all should have a filter on our mouth oh without a doubt um yes no one likes a person right just well but, I mean, but, you, but you read the book of james and it says uh, wait, you know wait, the, mike's pointing at me what could that mean what what he's pointing at me no. Oh, like I'm that guy. Maybe. Like I need a filter. I need a filter. <laughs> Sometimes. I need a filter. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? Anyway, the book what? of James makes it clear that the more we speak, the more trouble we can get in. Okay, so Without I, I a doubt. so I think part of that 
this this new and this new what? filter I've installed. Which you, you you guys can come to blows here. You need Maria Kondo to come this over and clean your mouth all the time. Hello, I'm Maria Kondo. What happens? This all happens all the time. That I'm trying to say something. <laughs> And both of you guys are having your own conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> Mike is such a nudge. No. I mean, he's a yep. nudge. No. Yep. Oh, sorry. Wait, wait. We digress. Kath, go ahead. <laughs> oh, thanks. Hi, <laughs> Kath. Sorry, my vulnerable moment's over. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. I'm just, I, all I'm saying is this, this PC filter that I have is something that is my fault because I've said yes to it. And part of it's good. It's not it's all fault. bad. Part of it's good because I'm trying to be careful that I, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and I don't want to be insensitive and I don't want to portray Jesus as someone he's not. And I'm one of his followers, so I know that that's important. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I do feel as if this type of stranglehold that you're taught that you're you've brought up with this article has taken shape in me which is i'm afraid to ask people things for fear that it's going to betray something insensitive about my mindset is that the best way to describe yeah, it yeah i get that yeah but that is a it's a self or social construct yes. that you are yes. wary of. I'm telling you, that I think that our society has put it out there, but I said yes to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's my mm-hmm. – I'm blaming myself because I do think that the PC thing has settled on me. Yeah. Well, I, do you okay. think it settled on you? Of course, to some degree. But I also believe that – a couple things. I think age has a way of loosening that in some way. Because you don't give a care. Well, no. Of course I care, but I'm uh, – Yeah. Maybe there's a little watering down of that where I go, I'm comfortable with who I am at this point, and you either with me, and if not, it's not going to crush my day that you don't agree with me 100% or what I have to say or what I'm doing or what I'm th- whatever. So, uh, and I'm, I believe that you're mostly that same way, that you are who you are. So I'm, I'm not going to sur- alter I, I myself. Do, I do, in my self-reflective moments, feel surprised that I have become as careful as I am. And maybe people who listen to the show think I'm not careful. Well, listen, if you don't think I'm careful, imagine what I would be if I didn't have the filter. Well, I mean, there's no doubt that we are different. We have different tones of conversations depending upon who we're with, right? Right. What goes on in the dining room isn't over the air. Right. Right. But I would not feel afraid to ask a kid what they want to be when they grow up. And if someone said father or a mother, I would say that's a great choice. Right. I, and I don't think that's an unacceptable answer. I think that he's reading way too much into the question by saying when we ask it, we're trying to force kids into a mode of thinking that their only value is based on their vocation, which is really, you know, a little precious. Well, it's the same thing, you know, whenever you meet people for the first time and generally the cover, what do you do for a living? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you, we, of course, we define each other uh, ourselves by but our I, work. But I don't... Th- I don't think, though, that question – yes, we do define ourselves by our work, but I don't think that question is necessarily indicative of that. I think that's just a way people make conversation. Right. It's like the weather. I don't think we have to you know, make a huge case out of it and say, oh, well, when people ask this question, they're trying to you know, put kids in a box and say the only thing that matters about you is your job. Right, right. Okay, well, that has become the B, the B perspective here. I think the bigger thing is how we tend to filter ourselves yep. or not mm-hmm. when we meet strangers or we're at swim meets or soccer games mm-hmm. or old friends or new friends. I'm always afraid to talk about my faith in a secular context, always. Now, I do it, but I have to make myself do it. It does mm-hmm. not come naturally for me. Right. 
but I I consistently force myself to do it because I should be doing it. Yes. But it's it to, and it gets harder and harder. And I don't think that would make a well. It probably would make a difference. It would make a difference if it was you know eighteen fifty or twenty fifty. The social the social attitudes of the day. I think for many people define that as mm-hmm. well. So that we're less inclined to share our faith mm-hmm. because many people rightly or wrongly feel as though they're persecuted, mm-hmm. which I don't necessarily believe that's true, right. but that's part of the conversation and the implication of right. having the conversation. But, but one thing that our society has preached to us, and this is the thing that I have not, that I don't accept. And I hope that this is not part of my filter, but one of the things our society tells us is that opinions are not okay to have. What? We, this is, we live in it. Go on social media. It's all opinion all the time. Yeah, but because except, it's nameless and faceless, no, it's okay because, to have an opinion? No, it's just because your opinion is only – certain opinions are the only ones that are allowed. And so if you, if you have an alternate opinion, then somehow you're looked down on, you're not as intelligent, you're too you – know, you're a – Science hater, you're a person hater, you're a bigot, you're a only if you choose to absorb that or embrace that. Right, right, right. And I'm saying I haven't chosen to embrace that because I do very much believe in the in the power and the importance of people having opinions. But that is something that is very bold today. Standing up and saying what you think when you know that societally speaking, you're saying something that's unpopular. Now, we should encourage that as Americans, whether you believe in that unpopular opinion or not, we should be always encouraging one another to say something different because that's what makes America great. But I'm telling you that is being clamped down on every single day. So we talk about this often, right? What happens on uh, this free speech on universities right? or what goes on Sunday morning or the echo chamber, you people call it, or Mm -hmm. the club or the tribe, all those, Mm -hmm. all all those can concur to where we are. I'm very reticent to say things on Twitter. Well, of course you are because our, our well, at least for us, our Twitter accounts are connected to our jobs. So right, you, and I and I want to represent and, myself well. I want to represent Jesus well, um, but at the same time, I also don't want to get myself involved in some kind of ridiculous Twitter smokes. fight or <laughs> social media altercation. Of course, that's useless and worthless and just makes everybody look bad. But at the same time, you don't know when you're stepping into one of those until you're already in it. And that's why I'm reticent in the first place. All right. Well, the question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Patty Burns. All right. I just used to change it all the time. Really? What would you go from? Initially, now this is this goes to my math fear. I remember like, you know, being a little kid and like doing the timetables on the kitchen table with my mom and crying. <laughs> <laughs> and crying and going, I hate math. And so, Mike, I, we're good friends. Yeah, you we are. Just laugh so. At so, I'm, I'm being, <laughs> so, wait, here's me exposing myself, <laughs> telling you, like, it's a memory. memory. I don't know what four plus four is. <laughs> no, no, it was the times tables, Mike. Oh. So, you know, I'm going, oh, I was in such turmoil. But then I loved the neighborhood um, little corner market, Butler's. And I thought, Sam Butler's got it made because he doesn't need the timetables. He's got a little adding machine. And I thought, I'm going to run Sam's market. I'm going to run Butler's because he's got an adding machine. I'll be good to go. I want to throw it my times table. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'll just skip those timetables. I like that. I've right. chosen a career because I won't have to do times tables. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Patty Burns, but it's the best I had at five or seven or whatever it was. <laughs> Take a break. Come back. Oh, Pastor awesome. Bill Glaze is with us in a few minutes. We're going to talk about heaven. Stay tuned for that conversation. It's always good to talk about heaven, what lies ahead. Right back. 
101.5 WORD. Okay, everybody in the car. Where are we going, Daddy? On an adventure. Yay! Adventures in Odyssey. It's not just a kid's show. It's a show the whole family can enjoy. Listen on this station. Adventures in Odyssey, tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. Come on, kids. We're late. Honey, the car won't start. Mom, the dog just sat on my science project. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases, with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to GetEthos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. GetEthos.com. GetEthos.com. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. Got different companies running your web design, social media marketing, and geofencing, but not sure which is getting you customers and which is a waste of your dollars? Contact us at Salem Surround. We can put all your digital marketing under one roof, give you monthly reports, and instantly move your advertising to the most effective areas of your digital marketing suite. Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. Heaven. Heaven, heaven. I mean, there's so many facets of it. Anytime people want to talk about heaven, somebody wants to talk about it, heck yeah, let's yep. go there. Pastor Bill Glaze, William Glaze is with us from Bethany Baptist Church. He is the host of Anchored in Jesus, heard Monday through Friday here on Word FM at 7 p.m. And Bill, welcome to the show. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, I just wanted to say before we get started yep. that I, I really enjoyed you guys at the uh, Pittsburgh Leadership Prayer Breakfast last week, and okay. I just want to say... John, you were really rocking that beard, man. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it, Bill. Yeah. But but nothing about, like, my hairdo or shoes or anything, Bill. Is that what this is? 
Hey, so that goes back to your conversation. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you never know, you know, if you're going to offend somebody when you say something. That's right. no, the no, whole sir. problem. So I'm getting some beard love. Kath gets um, nothing, but that's that's a very but safe that's ground okay, to be on. That's Bill. right because at least I'm not like suing Bill for like saying something about my hair. Right. Very, very nice. Very nice. Exactly. Right. All right, Bill. So you're you're preaching. You're thinking about heaven. Um, our bodies in heaven, though, is the thing specifically you're thinking. Now, this is interesting because. Often, in fact, I just saw on uh, Facebook the other day, someone's uh, sister passed away and someone got on Facebook and said, oh, heaven has just received another angel. And right. I thought, why do, where do we ever start thinking that? Right. You, you know, and because I hear that a lot, especially when, you know, somebody passed away. You know, I don't know if you, there was a, a story in South Carolina about two girls in grade school that got into a fight. And uh, one of the girls ended up uh, dying as a result of that yeah. fight. And uh, I was the mother came on and, and she said, well, my baby just got her wings. And, and you know, at, at, at times like that, you know, it's hard to correct theology. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, and, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I, I really don't touch it in times like that. But, you know, when I'm preaching or doing Bible study and, and I'm able to deal with it, you know, I tell people that, you know, as, as believers— you know, we don't go to heaven and become angels. You know that. You know we, you know, go to heaven and and we're still believers. And you know, if you if you look at you know the scripture Psalm one forty eight, it talks about God creating the angels, and that when He created the angels, He created the angels all at one time. That there's no more angels that will ever be created. You know, if you go back and you look, you know, uh, a third of the angels, you know, fell, you know, with Satan, and you know, two thirds, you know, stayed in heaven. And so when you look at that, you know, you see that there's there's no addition, there's no adding to the angelic host. And so when we go to heaven, you know, we don't become angels. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, uh, in the past there's been, you know, some people that have used that to try to bring comfort to those who have lost loved ones, especially children, you know, because you look back and you see the cherubs, right, and, you, and they're always like, they always look like children with wings. And so, you know, I think that that's where that, that theology kind of came in. But again, you know, as believers, you know, when we uh, pass away, you know, we go to heaven and, uh, and, and we are still the people that we are. You know, we don't become angels. So let's talk about that, Bill. So someone dies right now. Maybe they're, you know, uh, 50 years old. They go to heaven. How old are they going to be in heaven? Are they going to be 50? Well, you know, that's that's a good question and and I'll say this that the Bible really doesn't say and and one of the things that I that I teach is that, you know, we don't need to look at it in terms of of age, but in terms of maturity. Because when you look at Adam and Eve, you know, when God created them, you know, you know what age were they? You know, we we mm-hmm. really don't know, but we know that they were fully mature individuals that, you know, were, that God created. So, you know, I kind of think that, you know, we're going to be like like Adam and Eve were. Uh, you know, at at that level of of maturity, you know, there's some people that say, well, you know, we'll be the same age that Jesus was, you know, when he died, you know, because that was, you know, like the, you know, the, the fullness of his life when when he died, and you know, there's you know other kind of uh, you know speculations about how old we will be, but the fact is, I think, is that you know we'll probably be some somewhat like Adam and Eve. So what about then our bodies? What do we know about? Our physical form. I mean, we're we're going to recognize each other, right? Right. That, that, that's true. You know, and, and it's interesting because you know I, I think about you know people that 
uh, were five generations before me or six. And just think about, you know, our, our forefathers, you know, who maybe were Christians and prayed for us, and, and they were praying for future generations, and, mm-hmm. and they didn't know exactly who we were going to be or know, you know, what we were going to do. And, and I believe that when we get to heaven, that, you know, we will not need an introduction to those people. I, I just believe that in, in our perfect knowledge that we'll go up to that individual who is our great-great-great-great-great-grandfather or grandmother and that we will recognize who they are. And, and I, I mean, I just think that this, that's just going to be such a powerful time that they look down and, they, and they're going to say, you know, I prayed for you. And, and, and so, you know, even when we look at, you know, people that, you know, we know now, that when we get to heaven, you know, that I believe that, you know, we'll recognize them. And, and again, we won't need any introduction, but in our, in our heavenly state, you know, we'll just have that perfect knowledge and we'll be able to recognize, you know, all the people that we knew here on earth. So what is the story um, of the believers on the road to Emmaus? Tell us about, I mean, they didn't recognize Jesus at the beginning of that conversation. And then after he says who he is, they're like, oh my gosh, how could, like, how could we not have known it was him? Right. You know, I, I, I think that they had a lot going on at, at that time. You know, they, you know, they had put all their, all their hopes in Christ and, you know, uh, and, and they were very disappointed, you know, very discouraged. I, I think maybe even to a level, you know, they were dealing with some depression. And, and, and so, you know, I think, you know, that, that as they were dialoguing, I, I don't really know that, that they connected with, you know, who Jesus was, you know, and, and, and the Bible says that when they sat down to eight, that he kind of, you know, uh, revealed himself to them. So I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, even if Jesus, you know, to some degree, you know, didn't, didn't veil himself, you know, as he was talking to them so that, so that mm. they didn't fully recognize mm. who he was. But yeah, you know, I, I wonder about that too, because it says that, you know, that their eyes were open and then they did, they finally recognized who Jesus was. Mm. So Bill, you hear this a lot. People say, well, I'd like to be cremated. Uh, it's a lot cheaper, better for the environment, yada, yada. But uh, if I'm cremated, then what am I going to be in heaven? So what about right. that? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. You know, and, and I, I go back to, you know, just think about the people who have died at sea and, you know, their bodies have decomposed. Or you think about people that have perished in house fires, you know, Christians. And so, I, I, you know, I believe that, you know, God uh, has a way. And, and, you know, I'm not a scientist, but they, they, they say that matter decomposes, but it never ceases to exist. So, you know, I, I think that somehow, you know, God is going to be able to raise up those, those ashes, you know, and, and reconstruct our bodies. And, but, you know, praise the Lord that, you know, it's not going to be, you know, the same body that we have here on this earth. But, you know, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that it's going to be an incorruptible and, and immortal body. And then in another place that he says that he's going to raise our lowly bodies, you know. So I believe that even if a person is cremated. Now, you know, I, I know we, you know, a lot of people get into a debate about this, but, you know, I, I kind of uh, look at, you know, I want to be buried. And the reason I want to be buried because I, you know, I, I want to, you know, uh, the resurrection, you know, that 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 resurrection. I'm I'm holding up that hope for the resurrection. Yeah. But you know, people that get cremated, you know, I think that you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, as a matter of fact, like you said, John, I think that's the way that people are going today. And you know, I know here, you know, pastoring a church in the inner city, that we've had a lot of people that haven't been able to, you know, have uh, you know funerals and you know at the funeral home and all right, that. Right. And so, you know, you know, we've had, you know, we've seen a lot of people that have been cremated, 
but you know, again, I, you know, I, I don't think that they're, they're any less in heaven, and God is able to raise up their bodies. Mm-hmm. That's good. Pastor Bill Glaze is with us from Bethany Baptist Church in Homewood. We're talking about heaven. All right, so um, Bill, what about eating and drinking? What do we know? Right. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Well, you know, one thing that we do know is that there is going to be food in heaven because the Bible talks about the tree of life. And, and so that lets us know that, you know, we will have access to, to food in heaven. And, and you know, I, I believe that in heaven that we will eat. Now, uh, because our bodies are perfect, that the food that we eat in heaven will not have to nourish our bodies. And because, you know, you know we'll have perfect bodies that will not, not need to be nourished. But I believe that the food in heaven will be for, you know, for us to uh, have a time of uh, fellowship and then, you know, I, I, and, and I know a lot of the listeners are going to like this right here, but I believe that we'll eat some of the, the delights, the delicious foods that we that we mm-hmm. enjoy and not have to worry about our sugar going up and not have to nice. worry about, you know, adding on any pounds or anything like that. So, you know, I, I believe that in heaven, you know, because all things will be perfect. So I think that eat, when we eat in heaven, that we'll enjoy the food, you know, just like going out and, and having, I don't know if there's going to be steak in heaven, but I'm I making a so. comparison. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But you know how when you get a, if you, if you are steaky, I know a lot of people don't eat steak, but I, I like steak. And just to go get a good steak and, and how much you enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I think that when we get to heaven, that you know we'll eat you know whatever our favorite food is, whether it's steak, you know cheesecake or whatever. You know I think that we'll eat it and we will enjoy it uh, beyond compare. I like you know it. that everything in heaven will be a total delight because the Bible says in God's presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So I would have to believe that our food in heaven will not be to sustain our bodies, but will be for us to enjoy. And we won't have twisted perspectives or attitude towards food. We won't be either, you know, overeating or starving ourselves. All of those, you know, all of that, you know, twistedness that we have attached to food will be free of. Yeah, that's that's true. And, and, you know, just to to think that, you know, you you don't have to worry about, you know, going to the gym and exercising or, you know, being on a certain eating program, you know, that because your bodies will be perfect and, you know, you will not need to, you will not need to do any of that. Now, Mm -hmm. I believe that, you know, if if, I believe if we want to exercise, it will be again for enjoyment, you know, that it will just be a delight. Let's not get carried away, Bill. Okay. <laughs> Stop that! I right feel there. sorry. John's yeah. back on the food because he's just thinking about onion dip in his future, Give and he's that. so yeah. happy. A little bag uh, of it, heavenly freedom. It's going to taste good too, John. Excellent. I look forward to that. <laughs> hey, Bill, uh, you're going to be uh, celebrating Easter like the rest of us. What's happening to Bethany during the Easter season? How you doing? Well, I tell you what, man. We, we're having a Monday Thursday service, nice. and uh, Rabbi Kip. I don't know if Jeff Kip. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you know him. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's coming by, and we're going to do a full seder. You know, we're going we're going to do the dinner, and you know, he's going to do the Messiah and the Passover. And man, I tell you what, I'm just excited about that, and I'm looking looking forward to that. And it's going to be a great time of fellowship here at our church. Excellent, Bethany Baptist Church. It's a Thursday, then, right? Would that be Monday, Thursday? Of course, yeah. Monday, Thursday, yeah. yeah. Uh, April 18th at 6:30. Nice. Hey, Bill. Uh, people want to connect with you, uh, of course. Uh, anchored in Jesus, Monday through Friday here, but uh, they can call the church and talk to you, right? Right. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very accessible. You know, my secretary, you know, takes messages, and you know, people want me to call them back. You know, I'll call them back, and you know, even call and set up an appointment. Excellent. So, yeah. Give, give the church number. Four one two, two four two, three two five five. That's easy. Hey, Bill. Always a pleasure. Listen, we really enjoyed talking about heaven. Thanks for that. It's a great encouragement. 
Hey, man, you keep rocking that beard, and Kathy, you keep uh, sporting those uh, fancy hairstyles. <laughs> that was so safe how he said that. Very nice, Phil. <laughs> Love you, brother. <laughs> William Glaze, Bethany Baptist Church, anchoring in Jesus, Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock right here on 101.5 WORD. You watch what you eat. You're hitting the gym. You're doing your best to live a healthy life. But did you know that a bad night's sleep and a bad mattress can have a big impact on your health? Here at the Original Mattress Factory, our hand-built mattresses made of the highest quality materials provide the comfort and support needed to provide healthy sleep for years to come. To learn more about how the right mattress can help you achieve healthy sleep habits, visit OriginalMattress.com or stop by an Original Mattress Factory store near you. The gimmicks, the flashy sales, and the big markups. Mattress stores have made the mattress shopping experience confusing on purpose. Ron Trzinski started the original mattress factory to create a better way. He raised the bar on quality, offered hand-built mattresses for a fraction of the cost, and ditched the high-pressure sales tactics, all to create a better mattress buying experience for you. You could say he was the original disruptor. Stop by an original mattress factory store or visit us at originalmattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. A career isn't one size fits all. Find a career that's uniquely you at Presbyterian Senior Care Network, where team members thrive while serving older adults. Now hiring for all positions across the network. Apply now at careers at srcare.org. That's careers at srcare.org. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America invites you to take steps for cures at a walk event near you. Support the 1.6 million Americans living with these diseases. Diseases. Get started at cctakesteps.org. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping, and I'll see you. At the club. Thank you. For all the many years that we've been doing the ride home with Joan and Kathy, both Kath and I really appreciate all the advertisers who've been with us. Grove City College is our newest advertiser, and we are so happy that Grove City is with us. Both of our children attend Grove City, so we, as proud parents of children who attend Grove City College, we say thank you to Grove City College. Cloudy tonight with occasional rain and drizzle below 43 degrees. We'll stay cloudy and damp tomorrow with a few showers around high 57. Mostly cloudy for tomorrow night, the low 45 degrees. Then for Saturday, clouds and some sunshine, a pleasant and warmer day with a high Saturday of 67 degrees. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. So there's a day for everything. Today is an odd, very odd day. I never really have celebrated this day. Right. I don't know if it's the most important of days. 
it's a very narrow bandwidth, I'll say that. Today is um, what, Hug a Newscaster Day. It's Super duper! That's nice! Way to go! Neat <laughs> The actual term is um, National Hug a Newsperson Day. Okay, so like... Well, we were just talking about Patty Burns, mm-hmm. right? If you if you could, if you would have, yeah. Uh, locally, uh, Rick Dayton. We know Rick Dayton. Who's Rick uh, Dayton? He's uh, KDKA. I don't know Rick Dayton. He's on air, KDKA. Good guy, know. very good guy. Uh, who else? I, I mean, can you I gotta, name? I got to be honest with you. I don't watch news ever on television. Never, ever, ever. 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 Okay, when there's a presidential election, I'll watch the returns come in. Right. I mean, I That's remember. That's the only time. Well, of course, you remember <laughs> 7 o'clock in the evening or 6, six or 6. Well, 6 o'clock was local news. Right. Then at 6.30, it would go to national news. Then nas- then local news expanded from 6 to 7 and the national news 7 to 7.30, mm-hmm. depending upon what network you were watching. Right. But Walter Cronkite, 7 o'clock on CBS. Peter Jennings on ABC. Barbara Walters. Ted Koppel. Um, uh, Who's the guy who fa- who fabric? Well, I just lied about being in the airplane. You know, he took a. He was uh, Brian Williams. Oh, Brian Williams. Yeah, I mean, who can you name news anchors on the networks Not today? Not a single one. Jeff G- Gore, I think Gore is his name. I think he's CBS. Never heard of him because I used to watch the morning show, which I don't anymore. Okay, um, Lester Holt. I know he is. Oh yeah, sure. He was. I don't in know town. if he's an anchor though. I think he is. Well, yeah. I'm not. I know who Anderson Cooper is. That's not really an anchor. Okay. Plus, that's cable. He's on CNN. We're talking network, you know, ABC, CBS, don't NBC. don't know anybody. Anyway. Scott Pelley, I've seen him on Scott 60 Pelley. Minutes. Scott Pelley. Scott Pelley, he used to be, he got kicked off of CBS. Mm-hmm. But Walter Cronk, I mean. Yeah, I mean, for for all of my childhood years being so, I mean, we never, ever missed the news. Of course not. Never, ever missed the news. To think how much things have changed and that I could be an adult and would have absolutely no connection to TV news at all. In right. fact, I would ra- the reason I don't watch TV news is I, I would rather get my news from radio, mm-hmm. which is where I get all my news, or from reading online. Do you listen to BBC News? I have, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your major source for radio news is what? Um, well, I kind of go all over. I mean, I listen to um, our sister station, 1250 The Answer. Yes, good news. Um, I listen to Glenn Beck. Mm-hmm. That's opinion. Um, I listen to NPR. But like top of the hour. Like I'm driving in KDKA. this morning. It's 11 o'clock, you know, 11 o'clock a.m. I'm going to go to KDK yeah. and get local news. Mm-hmm. And then if it's want national news, I'll go to NPR. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, other I'm not, that, you know, all... I'll get Salem broadcasts, but it's not my first choice. As far as reading, I do the Wall Street Journal every day. Yep, New York you Times. do the New York Times every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of, beyond that, just kind of skip around. But and... hug a newscaster day. All right. What about hug a radio person day? Is that a, is that a no, national? But, you know, I'm surprised it's a, a hug anybody kind of day anymore. We yeah, don't because do, that's we're not, not hugging right. anybody. I mean, Bill Glaze is afraid. Right. I mean, everyone is, you know, don't stay away. You All just, he wanted to do was comment on your beard. He was so afraid. Thank you. Keep your hands to yourself is what they're saying. Okay. So right? maybe it's going to be keep your hands to yourself day. Right. Okay. Brought to you by Joe Biden. And apparently <laughs> his, you know, his whole thing. Holy smokes. Everyone's complicit in something now. Anyway. Watch out. He's about to smell your hair. Look out. <laughs> Point five W O R D.
Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, Word FM goes with you. That's because we're no longer trapped inside a radio. We're now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. We're ubiquitous. There's an app for that, right? On TuneIn, on iHeart, on our own app, on WordFM.com, on ChristianRadio.com, on the next Radio FM chip. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. On your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 101.5 WORD. When you give to food for the poor, you save lives. When you give to food for the poor, you bring miracles. When you pray to God, what do you say to Him about yourself and your family? I ask God for strength and courage with my kids. I know God doesn't ever give any pain without relief. So I ask Him, keep giving me strength to better raise my kids. Maybe put someone on my path that'll make a difference in my life. Let God bring a miracle for you. Food for a year. Water for Life, to save a family who's been praying for a miracle. Just $27 a month for the next year provides a family of four with food for a year and water for life. Make your $27 monthly pledge now. From your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say hope. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-880-7474. That's 1-800-880-7474. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-880-7474. Select quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. They're not in it for the money. They don't do it for the fame. It's certainly not about the fringe benefits. No, for a Christian teacher, the real reward is found in the everyday triumphs of a child as they learn not only about their world, but discover their unique place in it. This is how love inspires learning. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net. Education for mind and soul. pittsburghchristianschools.net. Word FM presents the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference, Thursday, May 2nd at 7.30 p.m. through Friday, May 3rd. Join Pastor John Guest and an expert panel of prayer warriors from RPTS, Geneva College, the Biblical Counseling Institute, Impact Christian Church, and more as we explore and grow in this vital gift and privilege to the church, featuring seven general and two breakout sessions. The Pittsburgh Prayer Conference, May 2nd and 3rd at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets and details at wordfm.com slash prayer. At the start of our show today, we talked about an article from yesterday's New York Times entitled, John? 
Stop asking kids what they want to be when they grow up. Yeah, a the, guy by the name of Adam Grant wrote this article. Yeah, and Adam's upset because apparently by asking that question, we are forcing kids to define themselves only by what their career path might be. Yeah, he said, my first beef with the question is that it forces kids to define themselves in terms of work. When you're asked what you want to be when you grow up, it's not socially acceptable to say a father or a mother, let alone a person of integrity. This might be one of the reasons many parents say their most important value for the children is to care about others, yet their kids believe that top value is success. So when we define ourselves by our jobs, our worth depends upon what we achieve. But perhaps you raised the most important question, which is, are we going to get to a point where we're afraid to ask anybody anything? Small talk is going to disappear simply because we're going to be on pins and needles the whole time. Right. I mean, you know, and that question sort of arises, right? You're with your mom or your dad. You run into an old family friend or a neighbor or whatever. And the, and the guy, you know, is just trying to be polite and engage a kid in a conversation. It's not some cataclysmic social upheaval he's looking for. He's just trying to engage a kid. Right. So we're talking to Brian Dykema, and we want to ask him about this, whether it's different in up there in Canada, right? Brian Dykema, Program Director, Work and Economics at Cardis and Senior Editor with Comment. Brian, how are you? I'm, I'm great. I'm always great when I'm talking to you guys. Okay, seriously, are Canadians as concerned about offending one another as it seems Americans are getting? Well, always, of course, we're apologizing for everything. I'm, uh, <laughs> there, there's, uh, I mean, there's, a, it's almost, it's almost, um, it's almost a. I mean, the big joke amongst us is that we would never want to offend, and so we're sorry that we're even, we even thought that we were going to offend you. Uh, and it's sort of this sort of beautiful spiral of apology. It's a lovely thing. <laughs> I uh, honestly though there's um you know the New York I just just talking about it uh, the the New York Times is you know there's sort of been a sort of a been a sort of interest in work again uh, which is a good thing they had a bunch of articles um recently about uh, young people and work and so on it seems like we're getting uh, getting back into it but but no, uh, no, I'll have to say not offended uh, as parents when, when people ask my kids what they want to be when they grow up. Right. But, but so I guess the larger thing is that our conversations with each other, that, you know, we default to elevator talk, the weather, yep. our jobs, sports. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, yep. whether in Canada or here in the U.S. or around the world, we're on pins and needles. We're so afraid I, of a, a, a hurting someone yep. or looking like a bigot or a hater or whatever. So it's best not yeah. to engage anyone. Yeah, I confessed, Brian, that I have this filter that is in place pretty much 24-7. I mean, I guess not when I'm with my husband and kids. But other than that, I am always concerned that I'm about to say the wrong thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there's a certain sense, like, let me, let me take sort of two angles on this. There's a certain sense in which that, that desire to, um, that desire not to offend is actually quite common in, in a lot of languages. You, you'll note that, yes. you know, there's a, there's a certain, that's actually quite, quite common. In fact, I would say quite a human um, endeavor at, at a certain point. The fact that you, you want to acknowledge the other person's presence. You want to acknowledge who they are. You don't want to sort of run ram like like a ram or a bull right over top of somebody. That I think is a is a healthy mm-hmm. um, a healthy uh, instinct. We, and, and in fact, there's lots of lots of little ticks and lots of little bits of body language um, in which um, you know you know scholars have noted that they said, oh look look at the way that this person's holding their hand. The way in which you ask a question uh, is 
is inviting of dialogue. So there's a sense in which um, the desire to not offend can be can be a positive thing that you want to sort of invite somebody and actually recognize who they are and invite who they uh, who they are and want them to bring all of that into the conversation. Totally normal. Um, it can get to a point though where if that itself becomes uh, inhospitable in its own right. Right? There's a and I and I do think that you know you know we we've the, the sort of big three topics used to be sort of sex, politics, and religion. Right? You don't talk about those things, but let's. And, and look, I even have on my Twitter handle, um, you know, that I rarely get invited for parties because I talk about uh, money and religion all the time. I, I don't talk about sex too often, but uh, that's why I rarely get invited to parties. <laughs> but, but let's try to keep that list as small as possible. But, but you, you bring up a really good point, Brian, that, you know, in many social situations culturally around the world, I mean, the Japanese are famous for this. In Japanese culture, there is a maze of complexity that you have to wade through to assuage the other person, engage the other person, show respect, all those things, you know, and society demands this. And so here in America, maybe, you know, we've sort of loosened those norms over the past post-war decades to the point where, you know, now it's run amok. And especially, of course, through the boogeyman and social media. So, so much so that there's like a more, maybe a more careful pulling back. And that might not be such a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, although I think when you're when you're getting to the point when you're when you're saying you can't ask kids what they want to be when they grow up, and you're, you're sort of imposing upon, you're sort of imposing your, your I, you know, particularly on the New York Times, their concerns about work. Which some of them are quite good and legitimate, but if you're concerned about, you know, putting a kid into a box, you may be imposing your own problems onto the onto the kids. Uh, you know. I sometimes I sometimes wonder, you know, perhaps you could think of it another way. What do you want to be when you grow up? Could just be a question to sort of ignite kids' imaginations. I certainly I I certainly do that. You know, kids yeah. want to be an astronaut, or they want to be a, a a a cook or a dad, like who or a mom. Like it doesn't really matter. It's it's an it's an invitation. I would say. Uh, it's an invitation to imagine. And I think that's probably the best way to to think of it in those terms. And 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 I would say that's that should be sort of a marker of the way we converse with one another to try to draw out uh, the best and try out uh, to draw out imaginations, right? Um, yes. It's a, it's a good thing. Brian Dykem is with us, program director, work in economics at Cardis and senior editor with Comment. Brian, um, in my mind, though, I recognize that it has gone too far, and I find myself um, always reticent to talk about things that matter with people I don't know. Now, it doesn't mean that I am reticent because I force myself to do it, but I confess that I mm-hmm. never like to talk about my faith. I never want to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm always afraid. I'm always afraid mm-hmm. that it's going to be unpopular. I'm going to be afraid that someone's going to say I'm a, uh, I'm a bigot or whatever. I, I don't know. It, it, there's so many things societally that are pressing in on that that I am mm-hmm. always concerned about it. Now, I'm grateful I do take the step forward and I still do it. But it is interesting mm-hmm. that it's that much at the forefront of my mind. Yeah, no, it's true. There, there is definitely a sense in which you're, um, you know, there is a sort of cultural imposition of what you can and cannot talk about, right? This is, this is actually quite an old, uh, an old tool to sort of impose a certain actually understanding of who gets to, who gets to pick what you talk about, right? right. There's actually a... Sort of, you don't talk about that in polite company, right? And there's a sense in which 
Um, there's a, again, there's a positive side of that, but it can be it can be oppressive. It can it can actually prevent you from talking about or even asking questions. Um, well, just even the brand that phrase you just used, polite company. Is there such a thing as polite company anymore? Well, <laughs> I I do think that the what we're seeing here when we're we're sort of seeing an attempt to try to dictate the terms of what can and cannot be talked about is is a is a long-standing struggle about who gets to decide um, what a, what what we uh, what are what we are talking about. I would note, though, one thing um, one thing that I think is unhealthy is that we, you know, it's not just what you can't talk about. Um, I think that the one thing, Kathy, that you're sort of saying, like, look, I'm always censoring myself. I would say that's not a healthy thing, and I mean, it's good, of course, that you go beyond it. But the fact that you even have to is um, is, I think, a challenge. I think there's another thing, though, that, that's going on here, which is the constant um, sort of push to say what you should be talking about. Um, you know, this is, the, this is the flip side of that. I think this one may be even a bigger issue uh, in our society today. What should we be talking about? Well, the headline of the day. Um, or what should we be talking about? We should be talking about, you know, what Trump did today or what have you. And often that's what's coming up in your feed today is, is what we should be talking about. I often wonder if that's not as much of a problem um, as what we can't talk about. Because if we're thinking about, you know, thinking about it on the flip side, you know, we should be talking about let's 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 look around and talk about something something great, something that we've been reading or something that there there's I think a little bit um, a little bit of a uh, sort of a dictatorial tendency to talk about what's coming up as much as there is to to say I don't I can't talk about that. Do you know? What I mean? Brian Dykem is with us, Program Director, Work in Economics at Cardis and Senior Editor with Comment Magazine. Our time's already up with Brian. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, Brian, thanks an awful lot. And do yourself a favor, look into Comment Magazine. Oh, please do. It's amazing but true. When it comes to one of America's biggest household expenditures, health care, a lot of people think they've got no choice. People are used to thinking we have to do it this way. But they don't. Yes, you have the freedom to choose an alternative with your health care. It's MediShare, and it costs way less than the alternatives. The typical family saves $500 a month. Not a year, a month. And if you're single, this can save you a lot, too. And let's face it, a big reason MediShare is 400,000 people strong, it just works. They've shared over $3 billion in medical bills, so they can help share your needs, too. Joining MediShare for so many people is one of those things that makes you say, Why didn't I do this before? So yes, the time has come for something better. Look into joining MediShare and see why so many people are opting out of the old way and into the new. Why not look into this? Just call 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-B-I-B-L-E. 844-41-BIBLE. Are you tired of your old and drafty windows and doors? Pella offers three lines of vinyl, a fiberglass product, and various lines of wood. So we have gorgeous new windows and doors to fit your needs and any budget. You deserve Pella quality. And for a limited time, get 50% off installation and 12 months no payments, no interest. Yeah, we can do that. Call 855-77-PELLA. We'll come to you. PellaPittsburgh.com. After struggling to turn on her Tesla on Wednesday, and no, this is not autobiographical, singer Cheryl Crow turned to her nearly 320,000 Twitter followers for assistance. Really? 
One follower in particular rushed in to save the day. Oh. Help. She said, who knows what to do when your at Tesla screen goes black and the reset doesn't work? Return it and get your money back? Question mark, question mark, she asked, revealing that she was stuck in a parking lot. More than 5,600 fans replied to Cheryl Crow's tweet and submitted dozens of suggestions. But Tesla CEO Elon Musk is the one who finally weighed in. No kidding. Mm -hmm. He reached out. He said, change your screen preference from night mode to auto. Night mode with 0% brightness is actually too dark during the day. This is ultimately our fault. We will update our software so that 0% brightness is always usable relative to ambient conditions. And she did that? Mm -hmm. And the car started? The uh, 57-year-old Cheryl Crow thanked Elon Musk and gave him a thumbs up for his help. Problem solved with that solution after getting to at Tesla. Now, isn't this crazy? Okay, so Tesla and Boeing. Here we are in major modes of transportation where the Boeing situation, they're having a software problem that essentially killed hundreds and hundreds of people. This is the future. And then Isn't we were talking about this weird? self-driving cars and whatnot. Is, and now and it, Sheryl Crow is like asking 320,000 people and Elon Musk decides to answer her. Of course. I mean, I don't know if I like it or it creeps me out. Uh, a little bit of both, does it not? Sheryl Crow, remember she uh, dated Lance Armstrong for a long time. Speaking of creeping you out. Big time. WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is accusing Democrats of weaponizing the IRS to go after President Trump. McCarthy responding to a request from the Ways and Means Committee for copies of the president's tax returns. Not only is it a waste of time, it sets a dangerous standard of having the federal government used as a political weapon. Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the tax code requires the Treasury Department to comply. The secretary shall furnish, shall, not may, should, could, shall or furnish such committee with any return or return information specified in such requests. The committee has formally requested six years' worth of the president's returns. Capitol Hill correspondent Wally Hines reporting. On Wall Street, the Dow is up 166 points. The Nasdaq is down eight. This is SRN News. Hi, it's me, Marsha, at the Springhouse. Did you know Easter's springing up on us? And quickly, too. Do you know what that means at the Springhouse? Well, first of all, it means you can enjoy the freshest, tastiest fried or baked cod every Friday night on the farm. It also means it's time to call and order your Springhouse Easter goodies. Our hickory smoked hams are extra special. We use only real hickory wood from the farm to slowly smoke these old-fashioned treats to perfection. Order a whole or half, and we'll send along cooking instructions, too. Mmm, how about Springhouse scalloped potatoes and homemade applesauce to go without ham? Finish off your meal with a from-scratch Springhouse coconut cream pie or custard pie or a chocolate log cake. Oh, and you can even decorate your table with our adorable bunny breads and eat them, too. Easter also means our annual Springhouse Easter egg hunt and Palm Sunday feast. Check us out at springhousemarket.com for all the details. Celebrate this most joyous holiday at the Springhouse in 84, Pennsylvania. Now, on a brand new night, it's Word FM Skate Night at Neville Rollerdrome. The first Wednesday of the month, join Kenny Woods and a live Word FM audience and skate to your favorite CCM hits with prizes and giveaways 6.30 to 9 p.m. You could win a free skate night.
website for your family or youth group. Admission $7. Skate rental just three more. Pastors and youth pastors skate free. Word FM Skate Night at Neville Rollerdrome continues Wednesday, May 1st. Groups over 30 must register in advance. Email info at skatenrd.com. Critics are raving about the best of enemies. Taraji P. Henson and Sam Rockwell give magnificent performances. You don't get my way. Well, I'm going to get in your way. The Christian Post calls it a perfect portrayal of how love can break through all barriers. Same God made you, made me. That serves as a masterful representation of healing and hope. Don't you forget it. The Best of Enemies, based on the untold true story. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters tomorrow. They didn't teach us this in Bible college. A family in my church has asked me to help with their son who's addicted to heroin. They're in a serious crisis, and I'm so busy with everything else at the church. How do I help them? For over 50 years, Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge has come alongside local pastors to help them in the fight against addiction in their congregations. Call 724-265-4100 now. Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge, bringing wholeness to the hopeless. The market goes up and the market goes down. But one thing remains the same. Record low unemployment means there are still more job openings than people to fill them. And that means you have leverage. They're vying for your attention at Word FM's virtual job fair. Visit wordfm.com slash virtual for great local companies ready to offer you an employment upgrade. Isn't it time you get a raise? The virtual job fair, where many are called, but you are chosen. At wordfm.com slash virtual. The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Cloudy tonight with occasional rain and drizzle below 43 degrees. We'll stay cloudy and damp tomorrow with a few showers around high 57. Mostly cloudy for tomorrow night, the low 45 degrees. Then for Saturday, clouds and some sunshine, a pleasant and warmer day with a high Saturday of 67 degrees. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along today, the uh, Thursday edition. Hope you're doing good, making the ride home easy for you. Traffic's not too bad, wherever you are. Stay warm, because it's not. You're cold today. I don't feel cold today. Really? Actually, I was kind of laughing, because during the last segment, you know, you and I were sitting across from each other, I was talking, <laughs> I looked down, and like, my like fourth button. <laughs> All I of was a sudden, like, you're like dressed like Tony Orlando like, or something. I know. Like, I got like, you know, <laughs> chest hair sticking out in the studio, <laughs> like, John, what, what's going on? All of a sudden, it's like Chip and Dale's in here. Good some thing the video hasn't weird kicked in yet. Thing. That's kind of like, kind of icky. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> Chip and Dale's. <laughs> yeah, kind of John. Well, this might not be the best moment to do the advertisement, but what I do want heck? to tell the listening audience that uh, uh, the ride home is coming to video. So in about a month's time, <laughs> hopefully you won't see anything that John just mentioned. What the heck? I mean, it's a rare. I, mean, it's just, I, don't, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how it happened. I'm, gonna have, I'm just relieved it stopped. <laughs> I'm going to have to censor that out. The heck? <laughs> anyway, the ride home is coming to video. Uh, you'll soon be able to watch us do our show. I don't know about streamed that. Streamed live on our website, johnandkathyshow.com. Why is that happening? Uh, because we have no control over it, John. <laughs> yeah, That's why it. it's happening. On this day in history, uh, 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was shot and killed while standing on on a balcony of the Lorraine Motel in Memphis at the age of 39. Uh, Mike, you have some audio for us. 
Direct from our newsroom in Washington, in color, this is the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite and Russ Hodge in Memphis, Tennessee, Dan Rather in New York, Bernard Kalb in Saigon, Marvin Kalb in Wellington, New Zealand, and Bert Quint in Quezon, South Vietnam. Good evening. Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. Police have issued an all-points bulletin for a well-dressed young white man seen running from the scene. Officers also reportedly chased and fired on a radio-equipped car containing two white men. Dr. King was standing on the balcony of a second-floor hotel room tonight when, according to a companion, a shot was fired from across the street. In the friend's words, the bullet exploded in his face. Police, who have been keeping a close watch over the Nobel Peace Prize winner because of Memphis' turbulent racial situation, were on the scene almost immediately. They rushed the 39-year-old Negro leader to a hospital where he died of a bullet wound in the neck. Police said they found a high-powered hunting rifle about a block from the hotel, but it was not immediately identified as the murder weapon. Mayor Henry Loeb has reinstated the dusk-to-dawn curfew he imposed on the city last week when a march led by Dr. King erupted in violence. Governor Buford Ellington has called out 4,000 National Guardsmen. And police report that the murder has touched off sporadic acts of violence in a Negro section of the city. In a nationwide television address, President Johnson expressed the nation's shock. So in an era, 1968, where we had become far too accustomed to murder, JFK in 63, Bobby Kennedy in 68, Martin Luther King in 68. I mean, I remember that. I, I was alive during that time. That was a shocking announcement that that Walter Cronkite made on the evening news or broke into a special report for CBS News. Just really shocking. Don't you wonder how things would have changed if he would have lived? He was a young man. What, is he 39? 39. Holy smokes. Listen, um, if you ever wanted to follow up, you know, we're so saturated with – with uh, JFK uh, stories and things like that. But I, I read a book a few years ago, a, a man by the name of, the author is Hampton Sides. Mm-hmm. Just a wonderful book that tells the story. The Hell, book is, uh, Hellhound, Hellhound on his yeah, trail. Right, exactly. Hellhound on his trail. It's the story of the assassin himself, James Earl Ray, and his hatred towards civil rights, black America, specifically, of course, Martin Luther King, and how James Earl Ray just went about his dastardly business. But it's a really great insight. Uh, of course, it goes into the civil rights movement of the time and uh, deeply into Martin Luther King's life. Highly recommended. So it's one of these you know, one of these days, right? The ode to 51 years ago and what America was and the hopes for this day. Of course, a lot of those hopes were dashed on this day. Rest in peace, Martin Luther King. Take a break. Come back. We've got lots more ahead for the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, We're going to talk film, movies, in just a little bit. What's playing at the multiplex? Alyssa Wilkinson is with us to talk about that next. Stick around. This is the Entertainment Answer. Taraji P. Henson stars in The Best of Enemies and says this about the timely message. Everybody involved in this production, in front of the camera and behind the camera, understand that this story is needed. Like, we need this story like we need water. 
She doesn't take no for an answer. She fights for change because change is worth fighting for. The Best of Enemies, rated PG-13 in theaters April 5th. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, and even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. It's where the Sahara meets the Nile and the Mediterranean Sea. Only here exist the perfect conditions for growing the finest cotton in the world. I'm John Hall. Nowhere else can you find cotton so luxuriously soft and light, yet super strong and able to hold deep, vibrant colors, wash after wash. It's this very cotton Mike Lindell has used to create my pillows, Giza Dreams bedsheets. Try them once, and you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. And right now, get a special 30% off MyPillow Dream Sheets with free shipping. Use promo code WORD when you call 800-391-0954 or place your order at MyPillow.com. 60-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800-391-0954 or visit MyPillow.com and be sure to use promo code WORD for 30% off plus free shipping. Sweet dreams from my pillow. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800 500 5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us. At extremetruck.net. Love one another as I have loved you. That's what Jesus said, but it's going to take a lot of prayer to make it happen. Join us Thursday, May 2nd, as we celebrate the National Day of Prayer, 6.15 p.m. at Christ Church at Grove Farm. An hour of music, prayer, and exhortation as we call on God to move in our hearts and heal our land. Free and open to the public, come join us for this special one-hour kickoff celebration to mark the official start of the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference. Details at wordfm.com slash prayer. Alyssa Wilkinson's back with us, film critic for Vox. 
She's a member of the New York Film Critics Circle, a 2017-18 Art of Nonfiction Writing Fellow with the Sundance Institute and, in her free time, an Associate Professor of English and Humanities at the King's College in New York City. Alyssa, we're happy you're here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, thanks. Hey, Liz. Hey, so it's always good to know what's uh, sort of like the inside track of what's interesting at the multiplex. Right. Uh, talk to us about what you've seen recently. Uh, anything that's noteworthy? Yeah, I think there's actually quite a few things. I mean, one of the most noteworthy movies that's out right now, of course, is Jordan Peele's movie Us, which I know isn't everyone's cup of tea, but it's certainly the one that everyone is talking about. Sure are. Um, and it was interesting to watch it and notice that there were, um, you know, some biblical references in it even to talk about Judgment Day. So one of the major throughputs of the film is uh, the a verse from the book of Jeremiah that shows up several times in the film and kind of helps set the tone for what's going on. Really? Um, so that's always very fun to see in a, in a blockbuster film like that. So talk about that. So Jordan Peele, I mean, for for a lot of people, right, uh, Keelian Peele, is that the... Key and Peele. Key and Peele, mm-hmm. right? And, and so yeah. th- these two guys were comedians, or are comedians, very funny together. But Jordan Peele's sort of gone in a different direction. I mean, uh, Get Out was uh, his first major release, which was also mm-hmm. shocking in a, a black comedy kind of way. And now he's, you know, he, he won an Oscar. And now this is like a major deal, Us, a, a horror film. When you... When you went and saw this, what was the mix of the crowd like? To talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I saw it, of course, with a bunch of press, um, but I was at one of those press screenings where they invite people from, um, you know, who are just fans or who are um, points members on Fandango or whatever to come to the screening. So uh, it was a mixture of press and and, uh, general audience. And, you know, people were really reacting to what was going on on screen, which I think is what you're hoping for in a film like that. And we have to remember that, uh, you know, his horror films might be different from what people might think of when they think of horror because they really are about things like social commentary and, you know, they, they're allegorical in ways that horror films aren't always. They're a lot more like films from the 50s and 60s were um, when they made horror films. Right. So that's a lot of what he's working with. And I would say that this film, to me, felt a whole lot like an episode of The Twilight Zone. Well, it's interesting you bring that up right now because uh, Jordan Peele yeah. was just, he was profiled in uh, Sunday's New York Times. He's taken over the Twilight franchise, so to speak. That's right, yeah. He produced the new episodes that are coming to CBS, and he um, he hosts them as well. He's the new Rod Serling, as it were. Cool. So it's kind of fun seeing him tackle you know, today's issues, but, but through an old, um, beloved TV show. Nice. Okay. So I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. So us, the movie uh, touted as a horror film, but it's not as though it's like Chucky or Chainsaw Massacre. This is a different feel. Very much. Yeah. I would say the first third of it feels kind of like a, like a home invasion film. Like it might feel familiar to someone who watches that kind of horror, but it really takes a turn after that. I think for a lot of people, they might think of it more of a thriller, after that point. Um, and it's one that has a very big point to make about um, our darker selves and how our worst enemies often can be ourselves rather than, you know, people outside of us. I see. Okay. So um, let's go forward. Uh, I saw this film, not once, I saw this film twice, which was a documentary based upon um, the the day that Apollo 11 shot off to the moon and then sort of combined old 70 millimeter footage that that NASA had for many years with a soundtrack. And it's just a fascinating movie. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, this is a wonderful film. I first saw it at Sundance um, where it just totally wowed the crowd. And I think what I loved about it was that I thought, 
you know, we could all really watch it um, together. Um, you know, it, it was just, it's a, it's a real film for, for a whole family, I think, to watch together. You know, I figured I could bring my in-laws, I could bring my, um, <laughs> my family too. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it's not surprising that, that you liked it so much. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. I, I, I... What I loved about it was, you know, when you say documentary film, you always think of someone, you know, in hushed tones, mm-hmm. you know, right. describing or, you know, exploring the Amazon or something. But there's very, there's no, there really is no narrator in Apollo 11. What it is, is right. like I said, is, you know, found audio or synced audio. But the big thing, I think, for film people or people who are space buffs or whatever, or people who, you know, love the 1960s, is that it is 70 millimeters, so things are so incredibly sharp. And because no one's guiding you through, it's just the whole story of the day. And, of course, you know, the people, the fashions, the personalities, the you know, the engineers, all those things together. It's almost, I mean, even though it was 50 years ago, it's so otherworldly in its approach to American life. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I think what's great about it, too, is that all of this footage had been just sitting like basically in lockers at NASA for decades. And when they decided that they were going to make this film, um, it's you know, I interviewed the director. He said, I talked to the National Archives and I talked to NASA and they were like, yeah, we just haven't done anything with this footage. So they, you know, they actually invented new technologies to scan it, to make it as beautiful as it is. And when I saw it at Sundance, I was with a bunch of filmmakers and we walked out and everyone said, how how did he make it look so good? It's just like this tremendous tremendous journey into this uh this voyage and it's really great even if you're not a space nerd at all (laughs) we're talking film with Alyssa wilkinson she's the film critic for vox Uh, Alyssa, talk about shazam john and i have this um divergence when it comes to films where first of all i hardly see a lot of films john sees a lot of films and i love superhero films and john thinks they're a total waste of time so when i found out that a a shazam was coming and b zachary levi was going to be shazam I was like, sign me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I did not know what to expect at all, but I find this film completely delightful. Really? Um, Great. One thing I, yeah, I, well, it's hilarious. It's very funny. Some people have been comparing it to Big, um, you know, wow. the film where Tom Hanks yeah. is a little boy in the, because of the nature of the transformation that happens in the film. Um, one other very strange thing that I wasn't expecting is that, and I guess I would if I had watched, read the comics, is that the villains in this movie are the seven deadly sins. Oh, um, cool. Yes. Uh, and they can only be conquered by someone who is pure of heart. So it has a funny little callback that I feel like is kind of an Easter egg for people who... <sighs> you know, have heard of the seven deadly sins, what an unusual thing. Um, but yeah, I would totally recommend it. It is a sweet, funny movie that, you know, really is about a 12 year old boy, uh, learning to find family. Um, you know, even though he, he hasn't had family up to that point. Um, but then he also has these great adventures. Wow. So a a great, another family film then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. It's you know, it's, it's still a superhero film, but it's certainly suitable for pretty much anyone. Okay, I got to stick with the superhero thing for just a minute, John. I don't want to lose you, okay. um, Alyssa. Tell us quick. Did you see Captain Marvel, and what did you think? I did see Captain Marvel. There is a whole lot about that film that I really enjoyed. Okay. Um, it's you know, not usually my cup of tea, but uh, I had a great time watching it. Okay, okay good, very nice. Yeah, right. I'll bring John. It'll the be superhero fun. spin sated. <laughs> very good. Okay, so yeah. talk about the a film we talked about a little bit. The uh, Best of Enemies. Yes. 
so um, so I saw this film. It's coming out this weekend. It's got um, Sam Rockwell and Taraji P. Henson. Um, I think it's a little flawed as a film, but it's worth people watching. It's about this true thing that happened in 1971 in Durham, North Carolina, where the community needed to come together um, in a very contentious time to figure out how they were going to handle and whether they were going to handle integrating the public schools, which still weren't fully integrated in 1971 at the time. And they did this through this process that involved a lot of sitting in a room and yelling at one another and coming to know one another. Um, and I think, you know, the film might might maybe undersell particularly the experiences of the of the black people in town who were part of this. But um, but I do think that it's a really interesting look at a kind of problem solving called um, a charrette that I had not really mm-hmm. heard of that um, was designed to help communities figure out how to solve these problems together. Um, so I would recommend it basically on the basis of, of seeing into that process and also because you still get very good performances out of both Rockwell and um, Henson. It's a, it's, an, it's a film worth seeing um, and it's a little astonishing to me that you know this is a film set in 1971 and yet they're still having issues that we have trouble imagining today or maybe we don't have trouble imagining them today. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, we had a free screening of that film here in Pittsburgh um, early. It was last Friday, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it got across the board outstanding reviews. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. Uh, Alyssa Wilkinson is with us. She's the film critic at Vox. Hey, listen, t- talk about your life. A-, a film critic, a believer as well. You see a lot of different things um, and you hang with a lot of different people, you know, who are, of course, are not believers. Talk to us about that life and, you know, how that intersection, how you, you know, Kath and I were talking about, we were reading an article in the, in the New York Times about uh, stop asking kids what they want to be when they grow up, about, you know, perhaps at some point, you know, all small talk will disappear because we're so marginalized. Well, you, I think, you know, you supersede that, you you know, you go beyond that because, you, you know, you're working in, a, in a, an industry probably, you know, super liberal in many ways and all those messages, but you thrive there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, there are some good things about um, about trying to be sensitive in how we talk to other people, I think. And one way to really learn that is to have interaction with lots of people yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. who are from all different walks of life. And um, I think that that's something that's really true about, about my life, probably not just because I live in New York, although I think that's part of it, but also, as you say, because of what I do. Um, I was also thinking recently about how, you know, people talk about discourse on the Internet, you know, on social media or whatever, being very divisive and how people don't listen to one another and they shut others out. And I think one of the things I like the most about um, working as a film critic in particular, um, but also as a college professor, is that those are two professions where the people you work most closely with and you have close relationships with are people that you are going to always be disagreeing with. And you very quickly learn that you need to learn how to disagree well and even respect other people's opinions and try to understand where they're coming from in order to have anything resembling a life. Um, (laughs) And um, I feel like, you know, one great thing about critics is we're used to violently disagreeing Mm, with one another about opinions about movies or whatever, but we also uh, really love one another and hang out and, you know, kind of have relationships and friendships. and, And that I think is a big part of learning to be civil in our in the way we talk to one another and to just learn to understand that other people have other perspectives for good reasons and not always from a, a bad faith perspective Gosh, that's so healthy <laughs> boy that's well, i mean that's what we, you hope yeah we need <laughs> we need to like expand that to the rest of society 
tell you that right now. Yeah. Um, Melissa Wilkins mm-hmm. is with us. Um, she is the film reviewer for, for Vox. Okay, Alyssa, uh, one film you haven't seen yet before you leave us that you're excited to see but haven't yet. Oh, boy. Um, there are movies coming up that I am I am ready to see oh, uh, very much. Yes. Um, I'm I'm trying to think right now of, oh, you know what is actually one that I'm excited about is next Monday, um, which this movie comes out later that week. I've seen that film Little. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for it, um, but it has Regina Hall and it has the little girl who's on the sitcom um, Blackish. And they are doing some kind of a movie that looks like a bit of a spoof on Big, actually. So I'm pretty psyched because the trailer looks like it'd be a fun, light comedy, which is exactly the kind of thing that I'm looking for right now. Good Excellent. for you. Very good. Hey, Liz, yeah. thanks enough a lot. We always appreciate your perspective and uh, giving us an inside track of what to go see. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's our great pleasure. Alyssa Wilkinson, she's the film critic at Vox. We love Vox. Check it out online, voxvox.com. Great beds, no bull. That is the original Mattress Factory difference. Our mattresses are designed with the highest quality materials and are hand-built in our local employee-owned factories, all for hundreds less than mainstream mattress brands. Sound too good to be true? Stop by your local factory for a personal tour and to see how your favorite bed is made from beginning to end. Or you can check out any of our stores or visit OriginalMattress.com to find out what the OMF difference is all about. Hi, I'm Mike Ditcher. On the field, they called me Iron Mike. But some days, even Iron Mike can feel a little rusty. So I turned to Blue Emu. Blue Emu's non-greasy, deep-penetrating formula gets down deep for big-time comfort. And more importantly, it doesn't leave me smelling like a locker room. Now, do you excuse me? I have some yelling to do. You hit like old men. Blue Emu. It works fast, and you won't stink. Hi. I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HenneyJewelers.com. Henney Jewelers, your jewelers for life. When you give to food to the poor... You save lives. When you give to food to the poor, you bring miracles. When you pray to God, what do you say to Him about yourself and your family? I ask God for strength and courage with my kids. I know God doesn't ever give any pain without relief. So I ask Him, keep giving me strength to better raise my kids. Maybe put someone on my path that'll make a difference in my life. Would you let God bring a miracle through you? Food for a year, water for life, to save a child who's been praying for a miracle. Your $80 one-time gift makes that miracle happen right now for a suffering child. Make your life-saving gift of $80 right now. From your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say hope. 
Word FM presents the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference, Thursday, May 2nd at 7.30 p.m. through Friday, May 3rd. Join Pastor John Guest and an expert panel of prayer warriors from RPTS, Geneva College, the Biblical Counseling Institute, Impact Christian Church, and more as we explore and grow in this vital gift and privilege to the church, featuring seven general and two breakout sessions. The Pittsburgh Prayer Conference, May 2nd and 3rd at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets and details at wordfm.com slash prayer. Cloudy tonight with occasional rain and drizzle below 43 degrees. We'll stay cloudy and damp tomorrow with a few showers around high 57. Mostly cloudy for tomorrow night below 45 degrees. Then for Saturday, clouds and some sunshine, a pleasant and warmer day with a high Saturday of 67 degrees. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. College admissions scandal court dates are now upon us. Yes, they are, with camera crews and satellite trucks. Whoa. Because, of course, we're talking about celebrities in Hollywood. Right. I'm reading an article by Jennifer Levitz, etc. Several other people whose names, i got to be honest, got blurred when it came out of the printer. But at least I got Jen in there, <laughs> the Wall Street Journal. Um, she and her uh, compatriots. Uh, wrote that uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office for Massachusetts, as we know, in March, charged 50 people. I didn't realize there were 50. I thought it was like 30-some. But 50 people as a result of an investigation it called Operation Varsity Blues. Um, But yesterday, Hollywood actresses Felicity Huffman and Lori Loughlin made appearances in uh, this nationwide college admissions cheating case. There were reporters. There were onlookers everywhere. Um, While much attention was focused on the celebrities, a lesser-known defendant, Peter Jan Sartorio, signaled he planned to plead guilty. According to a motion filed to the court shortly before the hearing, he is the first parent to indicate he was prepared to enter a guilty plea. He is charged with paying a life coach to gain admission systems to get their children into elite universities via bribes. Mm -hmm. A life coach. Yeah, and Mr. Singer, this is the dude who was the ringleader of this, William Rick Singer. Um, allegedly, he was paid $25 million to orchestrate cheating on entrance exams or bribes to coaches to designate applicants as recruited athletes, even when the students didn't play the sport competitively. Now, Mr. Singer himself has pleaded guilty to four crimes. Um, also, a former Yale University soccer coach pleaded guilty last week to taking bribes. Mark Riddell, a Harvard University graduate who allegedly took tests for students or corrected answers afterward, has also agreed to plead guilty and is mm. due in court next week. Really? Before their hearings, right, the uh, the Full House stars, uh, crowds of onlookers and local college students gathered outside the U.S. District Court in Seaport to catch a glimpse of the actors holding signs either supporting Aunt Becky or asking if she would pay their tuition. Mm. Now, she did stop to sign a few autographs. Right. Now, she now she's not Aunt Becky on her show on uh, When Calls the Heart. That's what it's called on right. the Hallmark Channel. I've never oh, seen the Hallmark that. Channel. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen that. But I have a friend whose daughter watches it. Her daughter's about eight years old. OK. When she heard about what happened. She cried. Cried. Mm-hmm. At eight. Why now, would I've you, heard, you tell now, a kid about that? Well, I've heard. Well, because she's not going to be on the show. Why? I mean, they, she's been written out. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had to stop the show. They had to oh, stop production they, of the show. They, Apparently, they, really? she's one of the three main characters. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh yes. So all those people it. lose their livelihoods. Right. right. So Crew, apparently, tech, actors. they need Great. time to figure out what to do with the show. This all came up so suddenly. They just decided to... It's going to look alike. 
But listen right? to you how easy it is. Well, Nobody's going to find it. Look, remember, well, everyone's going to know it's not her. It doesn't matter. Remember, uh, you, you're too young for the, the old Bewitch show. Oh, I remember that. Remember no, I remember, Darren, I remember Darren when died. Darren, right. I didn't know he died, but I knew that they yeah. changed him to a different died. Darren. I don't know what happened to him. He disappeared. <laughs> I don't think we should say he died if we're not sure. Sorry. I mean, I know, we're, not, I know we're not dispute. journalists, but at least we should say the true thing. Did Darren die or not? I don't know. I mean, it might have been a contract dispute. Okay. Anyway, so Darren left the show, and they brought a new Darren in. Right. I mean, you know. Okay, but things were a little different then what? than they are now. Like I mean, what? There's going to be an outcry from the Hallmark Channel people? Where Bring back... Have Not you, Aunt Becky. Have you ever watched anything on the Hallmark Channel? I have to confess, I do move past it pretty oh, quickly. okay. I've never seen one thing on that channel. Never yeah. a single I th- thing. I think you're either with the Hallmark Channel or yeah. you just ignore it. Right. Right? I don't think there's any middle ground, at least not for me. There's probably not a lot of crossover between the NHL network and <laughs> the Hallmark Channel. It's funny you say that because it's on my way to the NHL. Is it really? <laughs> it yeah, but yeah. you just go over If it. I'm just going, oh, let me still get that. Oh, there's the Hallmark. And the Hallmark Channel has like 12 channels, right? Really? Oh, yeah. Do you never do that? Never. You got bump, 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 bump. They're showing six Listen, or seven Listen, I am the cable company's dream because all I do is watch four channels and then I pay them well, an exorbitant amount of money and but I hate myself. Don't you ever go like just poking around never. just to see? Oh, I do that. Never. Just want to see what's up, you know. How the other half lives. No. What am I Here's missing? Here's the thing that's, that, that is different is once you have a DVR, you're recording what you want to watch. Right. And so, so you're I, locked in. Yeah. So I've already decided what I want to watch. And so I'm never so looking around. No, I'm never yeah, looking yeah. around. Am I missing something? No, not at all. You know, quite honestly, really, I could, if, if it wasn't for pens and pirates, could, I could give, give up, up cable. cable. So could I. Because I'm watching, I want to watch Netflix and Prime. So do I. So how well, do you get, how do you do that? Well, we can't do it because the only I mean we could pay for the I'm paying M- all that money. We for could the pay pirates? for the MLB network, but we wouldn't be able to watch the pirates. <coughs> and the pens, there's no hope. Something's got to change. <laughs> Listen to me. Well, why would they possibly change this? As people like us only watch four channels and pay them all this money. Exactly. Anyway, Hallmark Channel oh, college I, admission scandal. I dislike us. What us? Well, we're you, doing. You, we're letting the cable company do this. Well, they're right here in the building. You want to go talk to them? <laughs> Because I'm sure they'd be happy to line up. 101.5 WORD. Are you ready for heaven? If you knew that Jesus was returning next week, next month, or even next year, what changes would you make in your life? And maybe more importantly, in your heart? Well, these are some of the tough questions Dr. J. Vernon McGee asks this week on Through the Bible as our study of the Old Testament book of Isaiah continues. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll save a seat on the Bible bus just for you. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. First Mortgages, Impact Mortgage Group, DBA Cash Call Mortgage, 19500 Jamboree Road, Irvine, California, 92612, NMLS 128231. Equal housing lender, not licensed in all states, including New York. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. Okay, here's the deal. You're a freelancer, a hired hand, a self-made, self-owned business of one. Whether you're a contractor, creative director, or consultant, you're the boss. And that makes things easy. Unless, of course, you're trying to get a mortgage. When it comes to qualifying for a cash-out refi, gig economy workers come with more obstacles, more complexities, and more stress, right? Wrong. Dial 800-815-0745, and one of our cash-out mortgage specialists will help you qualify for the lowest interest loan possible, regardless of your source of income. It's the easiest call you'll make all day. Dial 800-815-0745. That's 800-815-0745. Make the cash call today. That's 800-815-0745. 
Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. Sight and Sound Theaters invites you to a special event. Come to movie theaters nationwide for three days only. Noah, I will cover the earth with a great flood. A flood? You must build an ark. Come on board for one of the world's best-known voyages in this original stage production filmed in front of a live audience. Lord, thank you. I couldn't have done any of this without you. Noah, in movie theaters nationwide for three days only. For locations, visit noahevent.com. Are you an unhappy timeshare owner? Getting out of your timeshare is probably at the top of your to-do list. Hi, I'm Karen, owner of Lone Star Transfer. Now that the annual maintenance fees are coming due, you probably wish you had a way to get out of that burdensome and expensive timeshare. Thankfully, we can help. Our process is done legally, ethically, and quickly. Call today for a no-obligation consultation at 833-594-0077 or visit us online at LoneStarTransfer.com. Hi, this is David Jeremiah. God has an important message for you. Victoria's life doesn't have to wait until heaven. It can be achieved today. I hope you'll join me. Experience a night of dynamic worship, edifying fellowship, and compelling teaching on the Overcomer Tour with Dr. David Jeremiah when he comes to the Giant Center on Thursday, April 11th. Get your free tickets today when you go to davidjeremiah.org slash tour. From time to time, our boys will wear headphones when they're playing video games. Hi, this is Whitney Caps with Proverbs 31 Ministries. Last night, we were trying to get the boys to go to bed, and one of our guys didn't respond and obey. Seeing us get more agitated, he finally took the headphones off and said, I couldn't hear you. Tate couldn't hear us, but he was watching us try to talk to him. He knew we were trying to get his attention. So we had a discussion about active listening and distraction. But it did get me thinking, how often am I distracted when I know the Lord wants to speak to me? Do I pick up my phone while doing my Bible study or try to multitask as I read his word? When the Lord has something to tell me, does he get my undivided attention? Sadly, no. I know he's trying to speak. I just can't hear him. So today, I'm turning off everything that distracts me from hearing the Lord. For more, visit Proverbs31.org. It feels oftentimes that... As believers, we somehow make things worse for ourselves. We're our own worst enemy. Good grief. Um, the state of Texas, I think, is is an organization such as that when it comes to the issue of chaplains in the execution chamber. Now, you may have heard this because it's been in the news on and off. Um, a uh, An execution was called off, uh, the execution of Patrick Murphy, uh, a member of the infamous Texas 7, was called off because he wasn't given access to a Buddhist chaplain. Now, strangely enough, and I, I would like to see how this legislation happened, the state of Texas only allows prison employees in the death chamber and only Christian and Muslim clerics are employed with the state. So therefore, a Buddhist cleric was not allowed in the death chamber. Right. Now, the court declared that exclusion was religious discrimination, okay, 
and essentially gave the state two options. First option being don't allow any chaplains into the execution chamber or allow clerics from all religions. Sadly, they went with one. Alan Bean is with us. Alan is a chaplain, executive director of Friends of Justice, an alliance of community members to advocate for criminal justice reform. He joins us from Arlington, Texas. Alan, welcome to the show. Good to be with you. Thank you. Uh, Alan, this case, uh, it's mystifying for us, maybe because we live in Pennsylvania, but, but can you talk about the state of Texas and this long-standing law that's been on the books, uh, Muslims and Christians only allowed in the execution chamber, but now that's gone by the wayside. Yes, I mean, nobody from the state of Texas has commented officially, so we're kind of left to speculate. Um, I, I think it might have something to do with the fact that both... Um, Christians, at least Texas Christians, uh, sort of your average or your representative Texas Christian, and certainly the Muslim faith don't have issues with capital punishment. But when you get to Buddhism, uh, that is sort of an uncertain issue. And I think maybe what they don't want is somebody who would be sympathetic to the person who's being executed or who would be opposed to what's happening. They want everybody who is participating to be on the side of the state uh, and, and, and affirming the right of the state to take really? this life. Uh, that may be part of it. That's the only thing I can think of. Wow. I, I would never have thought of that Nor as I. one of the justifications. Now, here's the thing, though. Um, we know I, I can think of if I think of 10 Christians off the top of my head that I know, uh, five of them probably are going to be pro-death penalty and five are going to be anti. So it's not like the Christian faith is, you know, in full endorsement and every right. Christian is in full endorsement. I'm sure that's the same with the Muslim faith. Well, yeah, um, I know that's that's true. And in Texas, however, um, there has, until recent years, been an extremely strong, tough-on-crime mm-hmm. perspective, and that was somewhat bipartisan, at least in the 70s and 80s, up until the late 90s. Um, both uh, Democrats and Republicans would sort of compete to see who could be the toughest on crime, uh, that that was true nationally as well as, as locally. But there has been quite a change in the last 20 years, and um, Texas has been kind of on the forefront of reform. I think people like Chuck Colson uh, have had an influence, um, and there, there are a lot of uh, eloquent voices on the Christian right as well as <clears throat> a progressive wing of Christianity that are not necessarily opposed to the death penalty, but are very, very concerned um, that defendants' rights be protected, especially uh, the right to religion. And I think that was what the Supreme Court uh, ruled. Brett Kavanaugh, writing for the majority, stated very clearly uh, that the state of Texas cannot pick and choose between religions or between one religious denomination and another. If you're going to give a right to one religious group, you have to give it to all. Um, And the state of Texas responded by saying, um, well, then we're not going to give it to anybody. Uh, They can be in the viewing room, but they cannot be in the chamber 
where the actual prisoner, they cannot touch the prisoner. I see. Uh, traditionally, uh, the prison, the uh, chaplain would, would stand at the foot of the prisoner, often lay his hand softly or gently on the prisoner's leg and, and say silent prayers. But that's, uh, now, now even that will not be allowed. I think that's such a shame. It is a shame. And I can't imagine, uh, Alan, what, what that would be like for uh, those who are attending, whether you're in the viewing room or in the room itself where the execution is taking place. Now, I would imagine, and I don't know if this is true, that most executions that take place in the state of Texas are done by lethal injection. Is that true from my, from your perspective? Yes, that's been true for many years. So you yourself, Alan, uh, Alan being a, a chaplain, in your circle, because this has to be approved, of course, by the state of Texas, those chaplains or Muslim imams in the room, do you know men or women who've been in those rooms? No, I don't. Um, I, I have, from time to time, had the occasion to talk to uh, prison chaplains. And I have done some prison ministry uh, when we were in West Texas. I used to used to play my guitar and sing "I Saw the Light" and what have you. And yes. uh, and that is a, a really vibrant ministry. And I should say that Texas has a very strong uh, Christian presence in the prisons. Um, a lot of groups, uh, United Methodists, have uh, uh, an organization. Uh, that uh, is involved, the Southern Baptists do, and, and several other um, non-denominational groups are, are present as well. And the state of Texas traditionally has been very open to that. Um, they seem to have drawn the line at the um, at the, the Buddhist uh, religious leader, and uh, and I'm not sure what the rationale is for that. And so far as I know, nobody from the state of Texas has gone on record trying to defend it. That's sad too. I mean, I hope I hope that comes to pass because I, I don't know. This to me shouldn't be a hard question. I mean, if someone is going to die, regardless of whether they deserve "quote unquote" to die or not, I think that they should have. I, I don't think anyone should die alone if well, we can possibly avoid it. My guess is probably, you know, to be politically correct, I hate to use that phrase, because you know what's happened. As believers, now, you know, Christians are sharing, whether it's, um, you know, outside uh, state function events where there has been, you know, historically the uh, the Ten Commandment tablets, mm-hmm. things like that. And now advocacy groups who are atheist groups are putting up, you know, ridiculous things like spaghetti monster statues and things like that in some ways to sort of compete or show their opposition to organized religion. And maybe that's the response of the mm-hmm. state of Texas. I mean, it's, again, it's only a conjecture here on my part that that all of a sudden within the execution chamber, unqualified, untrained people who may be untoward towards the process itself would be a deterrent or somehow, you know, an anathema involved in the process of putting someone to death, which, of course, the state of Texas, you know, it's yeah. the, they have a, a business to do, and that's what they're going to do, so they're going to control it in every means possible. Right. Well, prisons are dangerous places, as I everybody bet. knows. Sure. And when you're dealing in prisons that are maximum security prisons, where especially those that are designed specifically for death row inmates, you're going to have a lot of very dangerous people. That's not to say that all the inmates are, even necessarily that most of them are. Of course. But in prisons like that, probably every other person is a psychopath, you know, and without conscience, without any kind of moral scruples at all. 
who would not have any remorse for taking your life. And so when you're in an environment like that as a public official, you you tend to become very concerned almost um, to an extreme uh, with control. And I, I think that that's probably part of what is at work here. Uh, they want to maintain control. It, it's a scary uh, environment. And, and the taking of a life, it used to be something, I mean, obviously capital punishment used to be much more prevalent than it is today. But in, um, in colonial uh, America, as well as in England, if a person was condemned to die, it would have been by hanging, and probably they would have only been given, you know, a couple, two or three weeks between the, the passing of the sentence uh, and the actual execution, sometimes not even that long. But in the interim, anybody who wanted to come and pray with them was given free um, uh, access, and often the, the executions were done in public. Um, and it was not all that unusual for people who would attend the public hanging to have some sympathy, to be crying out for God to be merciful when they're, so, you know, so it was a public thing. Right. Now we've taken everything behind uh, closed doors. Sanitized. And we have, yeah, that's right. And I think we've done that same thing uh, with, I, I work in the uh, the hospice field, and, uh, you know, it used to be, when you, when you look, think about the old gospel songs that were written on the frontier, death was prominent in those songs, and people had it right out in front. I mean, they, they talk about it in great detail. I was thinking about the song, like, for instance, uh, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Um, uh, now, we don't want to talk about death. We certainly don't want to talk about capital punishment. Uh, we may be in favor of it or opposed to it, but we... We don't want to think about it in concrete terms because it is very disturbing. Uh, and if you're a Christian, of course, you're going to be asking a whole lot of questions about, you know, where, what's going on in the heart and the, the spirit of the person who's being executed. Are they ready? Uh, and so it's important that they have every opportunity to, um, to have access to leadership from whatever spiritual discipline they're in. And I, I think we are in a pluralistic country, and, and we're not going to say that everybody has, you know, if somebody finds Buddhism compelling, uh, they need to have a, a Buddhist leader there. If they're Muslim, they need to have an imam. If they're Christian, they need to have not just a Christian leader, but somebody of their particular group that they that they feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and... That is, I think, the disturbing thing about the ruling. I wish the Supreme Court had not given them the option of the removing right, the I agree. Uh, religious figure from uh, the execution chamber. Right. I should say one last thing in defense of the state of Texas, however, that a lot of uh, states do not allow uh, anyone other than the people who are doing the execution to be in the chamber. I see. Um, Texas was an exception. Of course, you have to also realize that most states, as a practical matter, do not use capital punishment, even if it's on the books. You know, it's been decades in many cases since somebody was actually executed. Whereas in Texas, uh, every month or two, somebody is being executed. Right. And so, of course, there are many people who would say, well, you know, the criminal, who the person who murdered that person, uh, the victim himself or herself never had the opportunity to pray right. or have anyone pray for them as they were murdered themselves. Right. Now, here's the other thing. It's not just Texas. I mean, yeah. it was Alabama not, you know, a month ago um, that uh, you remember the case of the man who was uh, 
Islamic, and he was denied right. an imam yes. to be there at his death, and so they voted on a stay of execution until the U.S. Supreme Court rule, would rule, and the Supreme Court voted five to four that he did not have the right for that, um, and he was put to death by the state of Alabama. Yeah. But there, that was a legal technicality. It was a timeliness issue. They, yeah, they, they, they didn't explain the their ruling very well. The, the, the you're, legal system right is that. really big on um, punctuality. You have to file uh, what they call timely. And if you don't, yeah, the majority didn't really right. offer a reasoning that's on that case. That. They they didn't offer a reasoning yeah. on that case. They um, just wanted to say that he had not applied early enough for that type of relief, and so that's why it went ahead. I see. Well, Alan, thanks for being with us uh, as much as possible. We did enjoy the conversation having you with us. Alan Bean, he is a chaplain, executive director of Friends of Justice, an alliance of community members to advocate for criminal justice reform from Arlington, Texas. Share, like, comment, tweet. Are these foreign terms to your business? They may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, WeatherTech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. The T.J. Martell Foundation, music's promise for a cure. To learn more. Visit tjmartell.org. That's tjmartell.org. I can't believe it's been 10 years. It's a very somber day, it a is. somber anniversary here in the city of Pittsburgh. 10 years, I'm of the same mind. The decade has gone by mm-hmm. so quickly. There was the, the murder today, of uh, 10 years ago, of three policemen in Stanton Heights, which was shocking for its violence and for the, the execution style of which it unfolded. Yeah, so today we remember Paul Shulo, Stephen Maley, and Eric Kelly killed in an ambush in Stanton Heights on a beautiful Saturday morning. Yes, remember it? I mean, a guy who uh, will remain nameless was upset with his mother and barricaded himself in his house in Stanton Heights. The house itself has been, since been torn down. And you think about the those families. You know, there's a really great article in today's PG. Andrew Goldstein wrote it that talks about what's happened to the widows and the families since their husbands were taken from them. And uh, it's it's well, it's a really beautiful read. So take take your time. Pittsburgh Police Chief Scott Schubert said, "Quote: We remember what happened, but the key is that we always remember not how they died, but how they lived, and they lived good lives. They were good men." Yes, I mean I. You think about those, we were at the opening day at PNC Park, and they honored four of the first responders at the Tree of Life uh, murders in uh, in October, of course. And, uh, I mean, those men and women, 
they're first on the scene, You, especially today with the firepower, you never know what you're walking mm-hmm. into. So God bless all those men, Officer Shulo and uh, Officer Kelly and Officer Mail. I mean, just terrific. Hey, uh, thanks as always for being with us. Listen, uh, the podcast of our show is on iTunes. Yes, please find us there. Highly recommend you stop by there as well. And, um, and if you sign up for it, then you'll just get it automatically. It'll make your life so much better. Okay, yeah, yeah, please do. Uh, also, what about the Google Doodle today? Oh, yeah. Um, Google Doodle. Remember this song from, uh, is it 1968? I don't even know what this song is, but I love what? it. I love this song. Check it out. Do you know the name of the song? Seriously, what's the name of that song? Grace Into the Grass. Is that really the name of it? Yeah. Who is it? You know, I don't know uh, who the, the artists are. Mike, do you? Friends of Distinction. Okay. The, now, uh, the original. Do you have the original song? Because... I do not. Because in today in the Google Doodle, uh, Hugh Masakla, uh, who's South African, he, he died uh, on this date... And he would have been 80 years old. And he wrote it? He wrote this song. Masakela. Masakela. Okay. Hugh Masakela. And his version, his original version is mostly trumpet and cowbell. So check that out in your free time. But really, it's a great song, isn't it? It harkens back to 1968. It's very nice. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.